0: You're listening to Rock at Night.
1: Hi, Cherise. This is Lester Chambers of the legendary Chambers Brothers. I'd like to thank you from the bottom of my heart for caring for musicians and letting the whole entire world know we rock at night.
2: Live
0: a damn your mother, your brother, and your best friend. I'm gonna show you where they dance out in the street. They'll tell you all about your body. Not
2: gonna talk about it, just gonna do it. Get on down in the feel of good. Get on down.
1: Can you can you hear me? Can you see me? Hey! Hey.
3: I'm
1: down in Florida.
3: Good. Cool. We're still here in Nashville.
1: <laughs> yeah, I wanted I wanted to hear about Nashville too and what it's like uh, living there and being surrounded by the music scene and trying to be a musician yourself.
3: Yeah, it uh, it has its pros and cons. Um, I I grew up in town and like didn't have like really musical family or anything. Just kind of picked it up myself.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: But then growing up and seeing like how much of it is around me. I think it's it's helped me, but it's also made me a little, like, overwhelmed in senses, I guess, you know? Like, wow, there's so much going on, and there's so, like, everybody looks at it as country music city, but it really yeah. is music city. Like, it seems like every, like, chunk of year, there's, like, a new thing. Like, there was a big, like, indie scene a couple years back, and a big, like, metalcore scene. And it's oh, just, wow. like, all these, like, things that's going on, new uh, folk stuff coming out, and just, yeah. And Cody's the Transplant.
0: Texas. Where are you
1: from? Oh, you from Texas? What part?
0: I grew up in Amarillo, and I played country in Dallas for a couple years, and I had moved to Nashville with the plan to play country music, but I got lost in original stuff, and being an outsider looking in, it's definitely a very stiff competition. The, The general atmosphere can seem to be a little more on the competitive side than on the communal side, which can be which can be, you know, upsetting, but in the long term, if you really connect with musicians as people and as friends, you you start to find out that everybody's kind of in the same boat. We're all really hungry and we all just want to make that big break. And everyone's got a day job and has to slave all day and then do the independent stuff at night. And everyone's just trying to get a little peace. And hopefully it'll be us someday. (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's
1: funny that you say that, because you see, uh, we cover Detroit a lot, and I'm I'm originally from Detroit, of course you think Motown, I've had musicians actually say that they're afraid to play any new music in front of other musicians, because they might copy it. It's so yeah. cutthroat there, that everybody, it's, it's strange, it's not communal like you said, and I wonder if it's like that all around the country, or just in these music hubs?
3: I I would almost think just as a musician you always just kind of have that fear of being like you know oh I made something and it's mine and I want it to be recognized for what I did but you know like I know Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers has been like look there's eight notes that you can choose from and like things are going to get copied you know like nobody's going to come up with the most original thing you've ever heard like somebody's going to copy something eventually it's just like you just got to put it out there and like you'll write something new so what if something copies it like
1: well, it's, it's like the big White Stripes controversy with the Black Keys going on. You know, we hear about that all the time in Nashville, how, you know, they're at each other's throats. And, you know, Jack White thinks that he was copied, you know, and all this. And like you said, I mean, there's only so many notes in a scale, right? And combinations and eventually things are going to get copied.
0: Well, I mean, right. I think it's something that to be said that's been going on for a long time, especially now we're in a position where as far as electric music with guitar, drums, and bass, like most things have already been done for the most part. It's all been analyzed. But if you look into the 60s into the rock revival, what were guys like Led Zeppelin doing? They were taking Robert Johnson's that's blues right. progressions and revitalizing them and showing their own way of expressing them. That's really what the White Stripes did with Classic '60s rock, but they made it in a garage. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing now. Kings of Leon sound like U2 from the South. Like everyone's pulling from something. I mean, that's the whole point. If you hear something, you're subconsciously going to somehow, you know, use that as influence. Mm-hmm. I think it's just if the music is good, it's going to be heard. So no. it's a,
1: you know, people do covers. People Absolutely. reinvent a song and then it becomes popular 20 years later, you know, a song from the 60s or whatever. Everybody has their own take on it. You
0: know? yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't think it's easy to get upset about, but I mean, it's just music, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, tell me about yourself. This is uh, You just came out with a fourth EP and I saw your Senorita uh, uh, YouTube video. You guys use a lot of humor in your videos, which I really like. Uh, well, where does that come from?
3: Because it, it mainly comes from being serious doesn't work too well for us. <laughs> uh, we've we've tried to be like, oh, we're the cool guys in a band. It's just it you everybody sees right through it. <laughs> it. And you know, like this is what we're trying to do as a future career and something that we love. Like, want to have fun doing it. So it's like, might as well just be as goofy as we actually are
1: mm-hmm.
3: and have fun while doing it.
1: Well, you're, you, some of your videos are really amusing and, and they're really entertaining. <laughs> Thanks. And they And they really mesh well with the music because it's funny, you are kind of eclectic. I mean, you're kind of 60s Motown in a sense, some of the beats, but then you're kind of i don't know what you'd call it grungy i mean i'm a big toadies fan and some of the stuff made me think of the toadies all right you know kind of like rockabilly or you know that kind of a beat what do you what do you call your music i
0: don't like rock
1: yeah it's it's
0: hard for us to try to bring it to a
3: point right now too so we just say we're a rock band because what what you were saying about you know what we sound like that for me is my favorite part about being in this band right now is for people to try to tell us what we sound like
1: Ah! It's
3: because so many people like have these it's because it's so hard because we do pull like individually each four of us pull from like 40 separate different bands mm-hmm. that the other three guys never even heard of you know and so when that all comes together it's this weird eclectic just pot of music history that we just kind of stir up and then get a ladle and then put it in a cup and try to serve it to somebody and hope that they don't spit it out. Uh, it's it's fun. Like after shows, you know, you got to keep in the mindset of somebody coming up and being like, hey, you sound like this band.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Now granted, I might not like that band, mm-hmm. but for them, that might be their favorite band in the world. So I just have to keep, you know, be like, okay, well, you must really like us then. So I appreciate that. Yeah, we all listen to different stuff. We
0: all listen to different music and it all kind of combines together and we're just all blue collar guys. We call ourselves a blue collar band because we all bust our ass during the day and have whatever time left to get together. And since we're all so worn out and trying to do stuff with limited time, we kind of act a little silly. Yeah, It translates in how we act with our videos and stuff. It's probably because we're loopy by the time yeah, we're it's like we <laughs> <laughs> just finished eight hours, and we're, it's like 7 o'clock. And, all right.
1: Yeah, well, that, that really um, actually hit me in a soft spot when you said the blue collar deal because, you know, my family, they were all auto workers in Detroit, so I, I kind of know what you mean by blue collar, and I was wondering if you all had your, your day job and then you do the music at night because a lot of the musicians do that. Yeah. You wanna tell me about what you do during the real <laughs> lifetime or <laughs> we're
0: all in the service industry. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's just hanging out in kitchens and trying to deal with nice customers. Yeah. Sometimes they're not so nice, but you know, sometimes we're not so nice either.
3: It's 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 the good thing about working in service and being a musician is like you know, as the musician standpoint of when you go on stage to, to turn it on, <laughs> so when you're at work and getting paid to do it, it's easier to just turn it on in front of certain customers to be like, hmm, you have a good day too, sir. <laughs> kind of, uh, so but in you know, at- the service industry, it helps that we're, a lot of us have jobs that we're allowed to leave for a couple months and be able to have a job when we come back, which is why you know we get flack from friends be like, why don't you get a real job? It's like. You can't, yeah,
0: because we
2: have to go out of mean.
3: town, and be
1: able to I, come back. Doesn't that grind your butt when people say that? Like, when are you going to get a real job or grow up or when are you going to grow up or when are you going to?
2: It's a I don't our, get our,
1: it.
0: I get it. It's just a thing where a lot of people see music and playing an instrument as a hobby, and it is for most people. But you know, we spent over a decade doing this, we've played hundreds upon hundreds of shows. We've had the big ones and we've had the really bad ones. And it's just like any other profession where you are in a, you're a businessman in a Fortune 500 company. You have to start at the bottom, you know, sort and mail. And then eventually you work your way up to the top. It's just the same playing music. We started at the bottom playing in garages. And we've been fortunate enough over time to slowly rise. And guess you have to keep going. When you stop, you stop. It's just like working any other job. But a lot of people just don't realize that, but it's understandable and you just try to take it with a grain of salt for the most part.
1: Do you think sometimes it's envy? I mean, I think sometimes people almost want to sabotage you or put you down because they really wish they were on stage like what you're doing. You know, now, what I mean?
0: we're dream chasers for sure, and I mean everybody had a dream that wanted to pursue at one point. And we're just guys that have continued to do it and I've made a lot of sacrifices to do so. It's definitely not a stable life, but it's very rewarding Mm -hmm. at very small points in time. But it's so it's like so worth it. So worth all the grind. And we get when you get a win, it's a really good feeling. Mm -hmm. You just gotta keep going. It's treasure hunting.
1: So when you're at work, are you thinking songs in your head?
0: Oh yeah, that's all day long. It's all. They can attest to the guys working yeah. there. That's all they talk about. So I work, and it's being in the service industry anyway. It's all musicians for the most part, anyway. True. That's all you're talking about. You meet other guys from work.
3: And yeah, whatnot. It, it working in Nashville. Like if you have somebody that is in your crew who doesn't play an instrument, like they're more the outcast. Like, oh, so what do you do? It's like, oh, you know, I work, and that's about it. It's like, oh, you don't, you don't play. Like, oh, all of us play. Like. <laughs>
1: It's almost like Hollywood or New York City yeah. where people go there to, with this big dream and then they end up working in the service industry yep. and then at night they're doing auditions or doing, It's the, I guess it's the same thing in Nashville. Absolutely. It's, it's a big tourist area. Oh, it's,
0: the city itself has boomed the last couple of years especially. They can't keep enough people out of here. <laughs> it's uh, just exploding, the big hip city. Lots of new stuff getting built up, but a lot of people do move here to pursue music and you'd be surprised how many this town will spit out. You see so many people coming in and out and they just they're sleeping in their cars and they're not, you know, really making good decisions. But you also gotta be a good player too. It'll spit you out if you're not ready. Very competitive place to be if you wanna be a musician.
1: You know it's funny I was talking to some of my Detroit musicians and they said that they sometimes they are approached that they need to pay to play and or, I couldn't believe that and I heard that from some of my UK friends too is it like that in Nashville where some venues actually make the musician pay to play
3: there's it yeah um, as far as like pay to play like I I've, I've heard that for like certain you know uh, like, Battles of the Bands or stuff, like, basically for the organization to end up making their money back, um, I, I don't know, I personally don't feel right with the whole pay-to-play, it's like, it's hard enough to get paid to play,
1: exactly,
3: get asked to, like, it's like, alright, on my soapbox for a second, like, as a drummer, like, that shit's expensive, like, cymbals, sticks, blah, 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 and then, like, I got to cram it all into a car and then show up. And you want me to pay you money to come play? And then not, it's like, no, it's, no, that doesn't make any sense. It, like,
1: it's slave gotta, labor. Yeah. That's what I yeah. think. I think it's really insulting.
3: Yeah. It's, it's kind of just a, a cheap way, I feel, to be like, hey, uh, so you've worked really hard at doing what you're doing. And if you want to do it in front of people, you need to pay us to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, Okay. Yeah. I think it's just,
0: it's easier to get entertainment at a venue than it used to be. You can, you can put a karaoke machine up there, buy one for 200 bucks and you're set for a few years and like the crowd, that I think the main difference now, I guess, in the modern scene, I guess, is that the crowd now has more control than they ever has they ever have and that's because, you know, with social media and with the accessibility of music now where they don't have to actively seek it out anymore, they are now, they have more control over, over the you know the artist. The artist is not in control of the venue and the scenario, the crowd is now because they can very easily you know make you a negative review or a positive review and they can show everybody that they're there and it's just, it's a crowd thing now. You have to please the crowd more than you ever have. We're not mythical anymore because the idolization of artists is no longer needed because you can idolize yourself with social media so we're you got to play that game now. You got to learn how to cater to a crowd more than ever.
1: It's it's interesting what you just said. It's almost like a social phenomenon. Everybody's doing the selfies and everybody is on Facebook and they 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 have their own groupies, followers, mm-hmm. and the world revolves around them. So I guess they're not as interested in real celebrities <laughs> because they themselves feel they're at the same level. Mm-hmm. That
0: is, wow, that's pretty profound. <laughs> if, if it is. Yeah. It's, it's hard to figure out how we can present ourselves as a good product yeah. in that way because we don't have as much of an influence as we might have in maybe 20 years ago, but now it's all depends on a crowd reaction. That's the only way you can get labels and talent agencies to bite is if you have people paying attention to you and they can do it any which way they want to now. It's not just putting flyers up and hoping they show up.
1: So you're at the mercy of the fans, in a Mm -hmm. sense, and it's like thumbs up or thumbs down, like in medieval times or something, you know, they either throw tomatoes at you or they, yeah, you know, and then they, uh, you know, it's kind of strange with all this digital technology and and media and stuff like that. bands where do you make your money nowadays merchandise right
0: that's 100 percent uh there's there'll be a few times if you can get a good show you can get a good payout but most of our money comes from selling our own stuff i would say we're yeah
3: we we played a show last night and there wasn't a whole bunch of people there but we looked at what we made in merch and it was like a little baffling it was just kind of like all right, let's just not ask too many more questions about this. Let's just smile and be like, okay, we'll count it as a blessing and move on. Uh, but that's money that we get to keep, you know, or like, mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
3: not necessarily, you know, in our pockets, but in our band pocket, you know, like try to keep it in-house.
1: So do you find like T-shirts or CDs or the, what is the hottest sell, selling items? What do you think? Right,
3: Shirts. Ahead, shirts. I mean, we try, we try to do combos for people, instead of being like, hey, spend $5 for this, $10 for this, $5 for this. It's like, here, we'll throw you basically one of everything we got for 20 bucks. You know, it's like three CDs, shirts, sunglasses, stickers, like grab bags. Also too, because like people our ages, like don't want to spend money on a band that they've seen once, you know, that they kind of like, it's, it's, it's more of like, we're trying to get back into like an all ages kind of crowds. It's like, I, I hate to say it, but it's like the people that, have their parents money.
1: Right, right.
3: Have bills to spend. It's like me personally it's like if I go out and I love a band, I it's hard for me to want to buy like a ten or twenty dollar t shirt when it's like, Dude, I gotta buy gas tomorrow? <laughs> you know, so like, the
1: the economy is really uh an important part. But it's funny, I wonder like these big festivals. I know you guys and I wanna talk about the Vans Warped because you've you've been on that tour. How do the kids afford these festival tickets? Sometimes they're really outrageous.
0: I just think it's, it's their parents are buying them. It's, Is that it? I, I think
3: 100%, yeah. I, I, I think it might be an allowance of some sort. So, um, so
1: they scrounge.
3: Yeah, and even then, like, you know, the kids that, okay, so I think the kids that get, you know, like, hey, I want to go to warp Tour. It's like, okay, sure, they got the ticket. And it's like, well, there's going to be a thousand bands there that I want to see and I want to buy stuff from, but I only have this much money. Mm -hmm. So as like a smaller, newer band, like you've just got to be like, Hey, listen to this for like 10 seconds. Mm -hmm. Um, If you don't like it, you can slap me in the face. Like Mm -hmm. just give them some sort of incentive. And we've been slapped and we've been kicked in certain places that we uh, wish we weren't. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It was a grind for sure.
1: That's something. Now you have been on the uh, Vans Warped Tour. What year were you doing that?
3: Uh, I think it was 2012, maybe. I think 2011,
1: 2012. And you've been together how many years now, too? The
3: the band has been a band for around 10 years, mm-hmm. um, in and out between members. Um, there's always been a original member at some point in time in the incarnation, whether or not who's been in or out. I see. But uh, we've gone through changes, but it's still been kind of the same thing. It's just grown, and people that have come in and out have kind of planted their seeds and helped
2: build it, I guess.
1: Well, I noticed, Stephen, in the YouTube videos, I thought, wait a minute, they have really long hair and they look totally different, but now they look, they have short hair, and I, are they the same people, or are they just, what's the deal?
3: <laughs> some, some are, and some aren't. Uh, yeah. One of our, our singers that uh, had been in the band for a while, and just he was in it longer than anybody else had, and I think he just kind of wanted to do something different. You know, he mm-hmm. spent all this time and investment, and he just kind of was like, time to give something else a shot. Right. And uh, Brent, our current singer, mm-hmm. was just, he was playing lead stuff at the time, and instead of calling it quits on the band, was just like, look, mm-hmm. this is not the first time that this has happened to this band. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that we've, you know, lost a member, or tried to get rid of a member, or something's like, Brent was just like, tell you what, I'll, I'll take the wheel, uh, I'll sing, we'll just get another guitar player, I joined the band again, mm-hmm. we got Cody, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. ended up, things kind of, uh, they, they ended up gelling into their own, uh, into this, mm-hmm. and this is working really well right now for everybody.
1: Oh well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Now, what's it like touring, you know, with these different bands? I saw you, you tour with Pretty Reckless, Everclear, a bunch of different bands, I mean, what is the lifestyle like? Fun. You're on the road.
0: It's, yeah, it's fun, man. You get to act all, you know,
3: mischievous and like rascals on the <laughs> road,
0: you know, you
3: know, it's like sailors on land. <laughs> well and like too, it's like, you know, as a kid, like you always joke about it and talk about it and dream about it with your friends. And it's like even though, you know, you might not be on a luxurious bus and like extravagant per diems and all this other stuff, it's like mm-hmm. I'm grinding right now. Like I'm I'm out on here, like I'm waking up in a new city, like you know, for getting, you know, a wallet in another city. Like, oh, these things suck, but it's actually kind of really fun. It's it's worth all of the hard work
0: is going on tour. That's That's the payoff. It's like a vacation. Yeah, doing what you love and being in new cities and just getting to play, just getting to play. That's all we ever want to do is just play. That's what it's all about, and it's it's just a lot of fun, and you get to act like a rascal.
1: So, so all, all the hassle is just for that short time period on stage. I mean, all the the traveling, the hotels, the nasty food, all that is just for that high. I guess you get Absolute, a high, right?
3: Best yeah. thing in the world. I yeah. try to explain to people it's like a you know it's a runner's high. Mm-hmm. You know, like when you're up there, even if it's like you know a 15 minute set or something like, mm-hmm. that's even enough to just get up there with three other dudes that you've spent hours and hours in a, in a room with to finally go and be like, hey, let's kind of, you know, show this off in front of some other people and see what they think about it. Mm-hmm. And even if it's a negative response, it's like, we played good. Like, we had fun. Like, it's it's for it's for the group. It's for us as a group, you know, it's, it's camaraderie.
0: Yeah. And being in a van and having to sleep in parking lots and, and not showering for, like, six days. It's just, you do it together and you do it for your guys, it's just brotherhood and, and doing what we do we're we're artists you know that's
3: why we do this
1: it's like a fraternity
3: yeah yeah <laughs> cody's been hazed a couple times uh, this time, right?
1: yeah i bet <laughs> <laughs> the new guy in the band uh gets the the short end of the stick and <laughs> yeah, <it's called> <laughs> that's funny uh, what's what's the funniest thing that's happened to you on the road
0: uh, I've got a good. But okay, tough, go for yeah, it. I, I gotta think of one. Okay, I was in a band a couple of years ago. It was like a jam band, and we toured a lot in the south. And we were we had had a show in Louisville, and the next day we were gonna play in Bowling Green. So we were driving back, and our van, which was pretty old, it ended up blowing up. It blew up. Wow. We blew it, and so we were stranded on the interstate, and we ended up having to get a tow truck and another pickup truck pick us up so we could play the show that night. And we set split up and two of us went with the tow truck and two of us went with the pickup. We stopped in Cave City, Kentucky and the tow truck and the other guy I was with left to meet up with the pickup truck. And I was going to stay and they were going to pick me up. And the uh, pickup truck gets a flat tire on the interstate. So everybody's stranded on the interstate waiting for a state trooper to get them, you know, a jack and stuff. And I'm stranded in Cave City, Kentucky. I don't know what I'm going to do. It's the day after my birthday. I'm like twenty four years old and I'm just like, Where the where the hell am I? <laughs> yeah. I wander around for like thirty minutes and I find a Mexican restaurant mm-hmm. and I just drink at the bar for four hours <laughs> until I finally get a phone call like, Hey man, we're picking you up mm-hmm. and sure enough I get picked up and I go to the show. But I was stranded in, in a random hillbilly town for four hour four or five hours. Mm-hmm. And that's that's about as crazy as it gets. It's also sleeping on the side of the road in Brooklyn, you know. Wow. Waking up in your van and seeing everybody doing their normal thing and, you know, getting hit by, you know, mad cab drivers in New York City. <laughs> New York City is, is, is crazy. I loved it, but lots of crazy stuff.
3: Yeah, I don't I don't have anything that uh, devastating or crazy. I <laughs> that. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes. laughs> Here and bitch about some moments, but I'd probably just sit here for like the fifteen minutes and be like, ah. and this time and this time. But uh yeah, I don't know, like it's just fun. Like even like when I say like I could bitch about stuff, but even then, like the next day I'm just like, Oh, it was kinda fun. You know, like mm-hmm. it sucks for the thirty minutes that was happening, but yeah, being on the road's fun. It's a vacation, you know, like even though it's it's work, it's right, not work
1: right. you know. Well, do you have to haul your own equipment, or do you have people help you set up, you know, do the mics and all uh, that stuff?
3: uh, Blue collar, baby.
1: Okay, so it's like, do it yourself. (laughs) Turn down
3: help, because we have an image to (laughs) update.
1: That's true, with the whole blue collar thing. You don't want to be there with the white gloves on, and you know, have your caddy there. (laughs) That's that's interesting. any tours planned for the near future? Because you have this new EP now, EP, or episode four. Yes. Uh, um, when are you going back on the road? Uh,
3: at the moment, we're, we're looking into things. Our bassist, Preston, is getting married tomorrow. Ah. And him and his, his new wifey are going to be doing honeymoon stuff for a little while. So we're waiting to actually uh, lock in dates until he's back and mm-hmm. uh, the leash is a little lengthened for him. <laughs> um, you know, it's, don't want to don't want to steal his bride's new groom away well, too I, quickly.
1: I hope you keep your bass player. I have a I, I'm good friends with a band, and the girlfriend didn't want the bass player to tour, <laughs> so they no longer have a bass player. Oh, <laughs> yeah, oh man! Yeah, I, I mean that's lady, yeah. So I think
0: she'll she'll learn. I hope so.
1: Well, if you're going to tour in the winter, make sure you come south because the weather, of course, is nicer here. <laughs> yeah, we actually and played anyway. with
0: the band last night that used to have some members from a band called Foxy Shazam that had some success, and they were really good. And they're from Cincinnati, and they would, they're looking to tour in January, so we might just team up with them and do a you know a winter tour in January around. Mm-hmm. Just to, what's great about Nashville is there's so many you know large markets in a good, you know, driving radius, so we can hit a lot of towns on weekend runs. So we'll Well, probably just do that with them.
1: You know, a lot of the bands in the winter time, they start off in Texas, they go along I-10, work their way through Louisiana, you know, and work their way down to Florida. And uh, winter is really busy season for us, for for gigs, festivals, and stuff like that, because everybody wants to get away from the, the snow. Absolutely. The weather and all that. So I'm, I'm hoping you guys will make it down. Have you ever been down to Tampa, Orlando, or played down We have there?
0: played a few shows there. It's been a couple of years, I think, but we have been to Orlando a few times. I think we've done Tampa. Tampa sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. That sounds like something we've done. I think 16. we've done Jacksonville a few times. But De- Jacksonville is definitely an easier drive because we don't have to dive down into the coast.
3: Mm-hmm. But...
1: Well, if you come down this way, you could hit Gainesville, which is a college town. University of Florida is there. Orlando, Tampa, St. Petersburg, all around this radius here, there's uh, venues that, that you could probably find gigs at.
3: So here's just kind of an off... I mean, it's, it's on topic, but a little off-topic question. Mm-hmm. Winter Park?
1: Winter Park is around Orlando. Uh,
3: Is there any places to play down there?
1: Oh... Actually, there's a metal place, I think. Some, some of the metal bands that I know. I, I do with different genres. Okay. Uh, where,
3: the,
1: big,
3: where the, the big
1: place in Orlando if, is House of Blues. Okay. They have the House of Blues there and, of course, Hard Rock.
3: Okay, there's a, there's, okay so the four of us, this band's a group of wrestling fans. <laughs> oh, my
1: goodness. And <laughs> uh,
3: three, three of us are more fans than, than the other but, uh, you know, Full Sail University.
1: Yeah, in, yeah, that's in Orlando right there. Full okay, Sail. Yeah. yeah.
3: WWE films some of their stuff at Full Sail University, and we've just always wanted to visit. Do a wrestling tour. Yeah, just go down there and be
2: like, oh, uh, man.
1: Well, I mean, you've, the whole Disney thing is there and Epcot yeah. and all that. I feel like wrestling, Hulk Hogan lives in our area. Yeah. <laughs> Clearwater, St. Pete. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, uh, Bubba the Love Sponge, the disc jockey, and uh, yeah, oh, there's yeah. there's a few celebs, I guess. Yeah. They do a lot of filmmaking in Orlando, you know, because Universal is over yeah. there in the studios and, and stuff like that. But when you write your music, do you guys have a, a person that does most of the songwriting or do you collaborate together? How does, how does that work?
3: Yeah, each, each song is usually a little different. Like it could be any of the four of us have a little riff that's just like hey there's this I've been sitting on and we build from that or Brent will just be like hey I've had this song in my back pocket for a couple of nights like, you want to work on it sure okay let's figure it out when well, there's been times we just get in after mm-hmm. practice and somebody starts doodling and it turns into an entire song mm-hmm. um, it it's it's all four of us you know like we've all been in bands too that you know there's been a songwriter there's been the singer he plays guitar, he writes all the songs, we just show him play. But like this band, I think also what helps with the sound too is everybody writes the song.
1: So everybody contributes a piece or someone might say, hey, this is a good riff or this is a good, you know, drum beat or let's try this. So it's really collaborative.
3: Yeah, it's, you know, like yeah. it will be me being like, hey, you know, it's like the drummer being like, hey, what about these lyrics? Or, you know, the guitar player being like, hey, you should try this drum part. Like, oh, okay, yeah, that works too. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody knows enough about the the thing that they're not playing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to help what they're playing complement everything else, if that, if that makes sense, I guess.
1: Yeah, it does, totally. It sounds like you guys have some good chemistry going on where it's truly a team, part, yeah. you know, deal. If there's one person that kind of is bossy, I mean, the whole thing kind of falls apart. And that's, that's the hard thing about... well, bands, period. Keeping it together, personality-wise, it's it's really hard.
0: She's really important. It can be done. It can be done where there is a dictator, and it just has to be, you know, it has to be established very early on, and everyone has to be on board with it, but this just so happens to be a band where we we all get along outside of it, and we just, it's a very informal writing process, and we just go in there and just play the music together and see what we can do with
3: it. It's like Cody saying that about us getting along outside of the band. Like that's for me, has always been, you know, i would played in so many bands, but the thing to me that was important, especially about the one that I'm going to commit to and be in for a while, it's like, Mm -hmm. I'd rather be friends who are in a band Mm -hmm. than be in a band with some people i become friends with. You know, it's like if for some reason, like we can't do the music well, like, I want to be able to connect with those people as opposed to being like, oh, we connect because we play music. It's like I want our music to be good because we connect. Uh, Yeah, I'm
0: also a big believer in that the more time you spend with people outside of the practice room or outside of the stage, you build a subconscious chemistry with those people. And it translates on stage because, I mean, a lot of people talk about playing in the pocket, and that's like what we all strive to do because that's when it sounds good. Playing in the pocket is not playing perfectly. I, I believe playing in the pocket is playing with the people you are playing with, perfectly. You have to be, you have to have an understanding of each other because it's it's a communicative device. You have to be able to talk to the music and talk to the other guys that are playing with your instrument.
1: It's funny you say that. Uh, I actually had the opportunity recently to interview John McLaughlin, the jazz guitarist. And when he's on stage with the other people, the audience isn't even there. They all look at each other. It's almost like they're playing for the pure enjoyment for each other, rather than and the audience just happens to be there. It was. It's kind of. It's interesting and. What do you think about that? You're really playing, I, it's like a like a fraternity.
2: The good
0: yeah. shows yeah. are when we are engaged with each other more than normal. Those yeah. are when they're good, I think. And sometimes the energy's not there, but when it is there and everybody's kind of talking back to each other and moving around, that's, that's when the music gets good.
1: And you look at each other. Oh, yeah. You know, like, I, ha- I happen to be a drummer, too. I look at the bass player the whole time. Because we are working in tandem, yeah. you know, and that's the way it's supposed to be. You're you're all doing your part, but you're you're kind of like nodding, like yeah, that's yeah. good, or like let you know, or that you're like feeding off of each other. Yeah, Th- that's how I feel. It is.
3: I feel I feel not bad, but like selfish sometimes because like there's a lot of times that at least in my mindset, like obviously I want to go out there and put a good, good show on for people that are paying to come see us. Mm-hmm. But it's like, to be honest, I'm going out there for myself. You know, it's like, I love doing this. Like, yeah. I don't care if there's a person out there or 6,000 people out there. It's like, I'm gonna enjoy being up here doing what I'm doing. Like, it's fun for me. I look forward to being like, hey, you're playing someone's basement tomorrow. I was like, ah, oh, I gotta go play music. It's like, oh, hey, you're yeah. playing uh, Madison Square Garden. It's like, Oh cool, I gotta go play music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's just like, there's things that crowd reaction and stage reaction, like, it helps. It helps to, mm-hmm. like, elevate enjoyment, mm-hmm. but, like, regardless, like, I, you know, we get excited for practice. You know, like, mm-hmm. when, we're, when we're filming, like, you know, music videos or, like, these little YouTube videos, we're like, man, we didn't get to play today. You know, like, oh, <laughs> bummer, like, kind of thing. Like, <laughs>
1: it's like your daily exercise. It's yeah. like something, like, breathing. You really, really need oh, yeah. it. Like was- eating food. Yeah, absolutely. I and did you want to be a musician when you were a kid? Is this something that just evolved, or? Oh
0: yeah, oh, yeah. my uh, my dad was a musician, and I've been playing instruments my whole life. So it was only a matter of time. I feel like I I don't think I took it seriously when I was younger, but it clicked relatively short after that. But I was I always wanted to be a musician. I just wanted to be like my dad, you know? That's how
3: it is. So I, I think I wanted, like, even as, like, a, a child, like, mm-hmm. I wanted to be an entertainer. All right. And, you know, like, family would buy me, like, little toy guitars or, like, little toy drum sets, and i like, play around on those. And once I started getting older, like, I remember, like, you know, it was a little bit me before my other friends who started getting a little more interested in music. And it wasn't until, like, middle school that, like, I finally had other friends, like, oh, you got interested in guitar, like, oh, you got interested in in bass, like, you want to try to see what these three sound like together, and like, it didn't sound good, but, you know, it was like, okay, maybe we can do something with this, maybe not you, but maybe we can do something with this. Uh,
1: When you're a teenager, there's only so much bedroom playing you can do, (laughs) after a while it gets a little boring, and once you've mastered it in your bedroom, then you're ready to go out with your friends so you think
0: (laughs) i think a lot of a lot of us especially in this band we're really fortunate to have met a lot of other teenagers that were around us that wanted to be rock and roll stars too and just we were lucky enough to be in garage bands when we were in high school and that's really where it all started that's where it all starts i mean you can play in your bedroom for your whole life but Mm -hmm. it's not until you get out on stage that it really starts being fun, but like there's those shows at the very beginning where you're freaking out and you don't know what you're doing, but you gotta do it. It's so much fun. Mm -hmm. And we were just, we were lucky that we knew guys that were in the same position. So I got to play in bands in high school and they all get to play
3: in bands in high school. And Mm -hmm.
0: that's when the hunger starts.
3: And too, like, I mean, it was kind of beneficial growing up in Nashville too, like, cause Mm -hmm. I mean, I knew growing up, it was like, oh, you know, Music City. right. I didn't really, really understand like how many people or like how big of a deal it was. And I think it was helpful for my growing as a musician, just like knowing all these people growing up who were doing it, who could give me advice, like even as a punk ass teenager being like, "Mm -hmm, whatever, but people kind of telling me like, Hey, uh, maybe this or like, here's a peace of mind for you or like helps, helps growth.
1: It's interesting. So you have mentors or people that can kind of point you in the right direction, or I bet there's uh, music lessons, stores, places everywhere. I would think. Yeah. In Nashville, I always think of country, but I, I yeah, like you said, it's really becoming a indie, alternative, rock, metal, everything, isn't it? Yeah. I
3: mean, on a on a typical Friday or Saturday night, like take your list of venues. You can. If you want to hear something specific? You can probably find it.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, it's not like oh, I can't find a you know a hip hop show tonight. Mm, it's like no, you can find find one of those. It's Like oh, can I find a experimental dance uh, neo soul reggae group? Like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're playing over at the Five Spot tonight. Like, All know.
1: these niches, these weird obscure okay, yeah. niche type thing. You know, it's funny looking around. Like in my area, we don't have as many venues as we did. Let's say. 10, 15, 20 years ago. Have That's, you noticed? I, I don't know, maybe it's different in Nashville, but it seems oh, there's not that many live places to play anymore.
3: To kind of put that in perspective, like a place that I grew up playing, uh, it was called The Muse.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And I, you know, i had opened up for Plain White Tees there. Um, oh, no. This band opened for Flock of Seagulls. There. Oh my
1: goodness, wow. Yeah. And, <laughs> and
3: like, oh, other stuff. And now it's a Domino's Pizza. Oh. And it's just like, I pass it every day going to work. And it's just that little bit of being like, man, like I've done so much of my career at this. And it's a dominoes now. Like
0: wow. a lot of those old venues are starting to shut down too. I mean, the masquerade in Atlanta, which has been like a three level, you know, venue for 30 years is shutting down and they're shutting down some other major one in New York. I think it's just, Harder to get people out of the house. It's easier. To... Is that it? You think
1: it's the economy that people don't want to pay,
0: or I mean, we we don't really know. To be honest, we we try. We talk about it every show we play. We talk about it. It's like what what's the difference now than what it used to be like? And mm-hmm. I think a lot of this the social media and technology has something to do with it. I think the economy has a lot to do with it. I mean, I think it's. I feel like we're kind of in a generational shift right now. Anyway, I mean, our generation is approaching 30, mm-hmm. so we're, mm-hmm. you know, starting to become influential in, in modern societal decision making, and it's just, we're just kind of in a, you know, a plateau right now, there's really not, it's kind of flat, you know, we need one of those Republican uh, presidents elected so we can get some rock <laughs> music back in the radio,
1: because
2: <laughs> everyone's going to so, oh. so,
1: Well, the, the 80s did have some good music, I <laughs> have to say. <laughs> Yes, they did. You know, it's uh, my friend in the Netherlands, uh, well, we have photographers and journalists all around the world for Rocket Night. He said they take warehouses, and they'll get bands in a metal warehouse, and they'll sit there with lawn chairs, and the bands will play, and, I mean, you don't need a fancy venue.
3: Oh no, we, where we played last night was a, basically like an empty brick classroom. With with a couple curtains to maybe deaden a little bit of sound, but it was just mm-hmm. like a couple microphones, couple speakers, a uh, a mixing board. Go in there and set up, and it's, it's rock show. Just play,
2: mm-hmm.
3: and it was it was nice because you know without there being a stage too, it was a little more connected. You know, it was like the people that actually did show up for the mm-hmm. show like got a show. They right, got to right. be able to like they weren't separated from the band by like a stage or like production. It was like, plop, we're going to sit here right in front of you. We're going to do our thing. Like, it's intimate. Yeah. It's personal. Come as close as you want here. You can here. Put a butt cheek on my drum throne while I play. Yeah, like We can yeah. sit and play together.
1: Well, like, here in Florida, they do like a lot of house concerts, and people have actually built stages in their backyards. And um, they have almost a circuit of bands. I mean, you have to be someplace where you can make noise. Yeah. You know, that type of thing. And, and you know, they might have noise or ordinances, but I don't know, maybe people are behind the computer too much and they don't understand the beauty of live music.
3: Yeah. Do you think? I, and well, see, granted, like, and I hate saying it because it's like, I do it, but it's like, for me, like, I use the mindset too of trying to think about that way. Like, mm-hmm. you can get on YouTube and like look up so much music or like so much li- like, live music, yeah, right? And it's just, but for me, it's hard because, like, I know personally, after work and stuff on a Friday night, it's hard for me to like get out to go see a show because mm-hmm. it's like that's what I do. I go like I'm around live music all the time, but it, it's harder to just get up and like go out and like do it and like you know spend the money and like I think, like you said, the economy and just like it, the content of being like, why do I need
2: to get up and yeah, go out and do something? Where don't just I just pull my phone
3: and you don't have to actively seek out music anymore, you know.
0: You can do it on the computer. Mm-hmm. You can watch a whole concert on your phone. Yeah. You don't have to go it's and just... do this. Your phone tells you what bands you might like. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to actually seek out music at all anymore. It's given to you, like, it's spoon-fed to you now.
1: You know, it's, it's, it's sad, though, because even, like, you know, live productions of anything, be it a musical or acting, live music, it's just different when it's live. I mean, it's yeah. not the same, and people are becoming too used to that. I, it, I hate to think that's the standard, but I guess it is. I mean, I relish anything live.
3: Yeah, even a bad, even a not very good band live yeah. is still like it feels like it feels good. Yeah, it's like it, the same way that like that deaf people go to concerts and like they you feel the, like you learn mm-hmm. the concert from the vibrations like. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't feel a kick drum in your chest when That's you're watching true. a YouTube video or something or you know somebody staring at you and singing something to you and like getting you involved.
1: Well, even going to a restaurant, I get excited if someone's just playing the acoustic guitar. I think, "Oh, live music." Yeah, and yeah. like you said, even if it's bad or the person's out of tune, I feel like it's special because yeah. it's live. I that's just me. <laughs> maybe, that's,
3: maybe that's the thing. Is here maybe like in a, in another ten years, since the live music thing's doing so bad that like live music in ten years is going to be like this new underground like <laughs> the new like thing. It's like oh, have you went and seen a live band play recently? Like yeah. no, what is, what is that entitled? Like oh, well it's great. You come out and you see these guys actually play their instruments in front of you.
1: Yeah, and no screens.
3: Yeah. <laughs> It's frustrating
0: for us too because we are great live. That's probably our strongest, you know, point as a unit is that we sound great live and it's hard to replicate that on a CD.
1: Exactly.
0: Oh, but man, we're good live and we just we just we're trying to figure out how to get people to see us because it's we're just good in that moment. So
1: Part of being in a band is entertainment, and a lot of people use theatrics, and some people really are intimate with the audience, they talk to the audience, they feed off of that. You can't get that from listening to a CD. Yeah. It's, so it kind of mystifies me, but I love talking to other musicians just to get some insight, because it seems technology has hurt us, it's helped us in a lot of ways. But we're losing that, that human touch.
0: Well, that's, what it, that's the loss you get with the... just. I'm sure marketing and presentability is a lot better now, but you lose the human connection. Yeah. You're listening to Rock at
2: Night.
1: Thanks for the intro, Melody. It's called Get On Down by Billy Bass Alford. Thanks.